Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a four-week Advent teaching series leading up to Christmas called God With Us. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's really good to be with you today. Uh, We are starting a new Advent series called God With Us. And each week we're going to talk about what it means to have God with us. This week we're going to talk about how God with us means hope. And I want to talk to you today about hope, and I want to come at it from a little different angle. And so if you're following along in the notes, here's the question I want to ask you to think about with me today. What if Jesus had not come to earth that first Christmas? What if Jesus had not come to earth that first Christmas? I have found many times that if I do what-if thinking, it helps me actually appreciate what I have even more. It's kind of like that idea from It's a Wonderful Life, where George Bailey had to see what it would be like if he had never been born. And in this message today, I want to talk with you about what if Jesus had not come. Now, where did this idea come from? Well, uh, when I was growing up, my family had an Advent tradition where each night we would not only light an Advent candle, but then we would read a passage of Scripture, and we would also read uh, from some different books we had, and one of those was called The Guidepost, the Guidepost Christmas Treasury. And uh, one of my favorite stories that came to my mind this week was the story called If He Had Not Come. And here's how it goes. It was Christmas Eve, the one night in the year when seven-year-old Bobby was in a hurry to go to bed. The story was actually written in the 1940s. His stocking was tacked to the mantle. The beautiful tree stood in the corner. He kissed his mother and father goodnight. Then he raced upstairs and leaped into bed. It seemed to Bobby that he hadn't been asleep any time when a harsh voice shouted, Get up! He opened his eyes, blinking in the bright sunlight. Then he remembered what day it was. With a joyful shout, He hurried into his clothes and bounded down the stairs. On the bottom step, he stopped. No stocking hung from the mantel. The Christmas tree was gone, he began, when the shrill whistle from the factory nearby made him jump. The factory can't be open on Christmas, Bobby thought, as he put on his coat and ran out of the house. The gateman at the factory was his friend. He would tell Bobby why, clear out of here, you. The gateman jerked his thumb at him. No kids allowed. As Bobby slowly turned to go, He saw, to his amazement, that up and down the street, all the stores were open. Why are they open on Christmas, he asked a woman coming out of the supermarket. Christmas, the woman asked. What's that? The hardware store, the bakery, the five and ten, everywhere it was the same. People were busy. They were cross. They'd never heard of Christmas. I know one place where they've heard of Christmas, Bobby cried. At my church. There's a special service this morning. He started to run. Here was the street. At least he thought it was. The carillon bells, the Sunday school windows where Bobby had pasted snowflakes. There was nothing here. Just then, from the tall grass near the side of the road, Bobby heard a moan. A man was lying on the ground. A car struck me, he gasped. Never even stopped. Help, called Bobby to a lady walking past. This man's hurt. The lady jerked Bobby away. Don't touch him. He doesn't live here. We don't know anything about him. I'll run to the hospital, mister, Bobby promised. They'll send an ambulance, and he tore off down the street. Hospital of the Good Samaritan. Bobby had often read the name over the archway in the great stone wall. But now the stone wall ran around an empty field. 
where the name of the hospital had been carved instead was if he had not come. Suddenly, Bobby was running home as if his life depended on it. Last night, his father had read from the Bible. Maybe the Bible would tell him why everything was changed. The Bible was still lying on the table in the living room. Bobby snatched it up, ran upstairs to his room. But where the New Testament should have started, there were only blank pages. There was no Christmas story, no Jesus at all. Bobby flung himself on his bed and began to cry. Merry Christmas, Bobby. It was his mother's voice from downstairs. Aren't you getting up on Christmas morning? Bobby sprang out of bed and ran to the window. There was a Christmas wreath on the house across the street. And suddenly, the carillon bells from the church tower began to ring. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Here I come, mother, Bobby called. But he paused at the door and shut his eyes. You came, he whispered. Thank you for coming. I love that story, and I've thought many times of how that has renewed my thinking and appreciation for what I have. And in this time where many of us are feeling discouraged, heavy-hearted, and wondering what's ahead, it's so helpful sometimes to do what-if thinking. And so this morning, if you would, I want to read our text that actually mentions God with us. And it's found in Matthew 1, verses 18 through 23. And I invite you to open your Bibles there as you're listening or watching and uh, read along with me if you would. And when we come to verses 22 and 23, I've listed those in the first gray box of our message notes if you're using those. So here we go. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." Now, would you join me as we read verses 22 and 23 together? All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, as you think about this passage here, one of the things that I found helpful is that if you follow the Advent tradition and you light a candle each week leading up to Christmas, the very first candle is not only representative of hope, but it's sometimes called the prophecy candle. And what I want us to see, even from these opening verses, what it would, would it be like if Jesus had not come. So if you're following along, here's just some of the things that would be true. If Jesus had not come, God's promise would be broken and untrustworthy. That prophecy that he had made through the prophet Isaiah would be broken. It would be unfulfilled at least. And if God's word is broken, God's word is untrustworthy. But of course, that's not true. But if Jesus had not come, then God would have not come through on his word and his promise. The second thing we notice if Jesus had not come is that we'd still be trapped in sin and unsaved. Did you notice in verse 21 that the whole reason he was sending Jesus is that he will save his people 
from their sins. But if Jesus had not come, we would still be trapped in our sin and we would be unsaved by God, which is what we so desperately need. This Christmas, it's so wonderful to know that we need a savior and God has provided that savior and he's Jesus. But if Jesus had not come, we would still be in our lost state. The third thing that we see is if Jesus had not come, then the idea of God with us would be a distant, not an intimate reality. All through the Old Testament, we see moments when God came near to his people, but most of the time, the intimate experiences that people had with God were more personal of select people. But when Jesus came, he actually made it possible for every person to know him intimately. And that's one of the things that would not have happened if he had not come. The whole idea of God with us would have just been something that we could experience far off. Thankfully, that's not true. If Jesus had not come, notice this, we'd have no New Testament to read and guide us. Bobby found out that when he came back to look at the Bible, there was nothing about Jesus, nothing about the New Testament. This morning, as I've done all throughout 2020, I read a chapter in the Gospels. And as I read Jesus' words, I was so challenged and encouraged by what he said. And I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have the words of the New Testament that have been recorded, all because Jesus came. But notice also that if Jesus had not come, the Holy Spirit wouldn't have come to live in us. The Holy Spirit wouldn't have come to live in us. This is a powerful truth as well, because what we notice is, is that he's able to send the Holy Spirit after he's died, risen again, and ascended into heaven. But the Holy Spirit would not be able to come and live inside of us if he hadn't been sent, and he wouldn't have been sent if Jesus had not come. For these and many other reasons, we'd be without hope if you're following along. For these and many other reasons, we'd be without hope. Every once in a while, I just scroll through some of the things I have to be thankful for that would not be possible if Jesus had not come. There's times when I'm walking or running that I'll just say, oh God, Father God, thank you for the word of God, the spirit of God, the people of God, the promises of God. There's so much to be thankful for, but if Jesus had not come, those things would not be ours. I love how the Apostle Paul kind of does this what-if thinking in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 16 through 20. It talks about this same idea. Follow along with me if you would. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has been raised. And, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so you see again that there's this whole idea that if this hadn't happened, then we wouldn't be able to enjoy and experience this. But I love what Bobby said there. But you came. You have come to earth as God with us. You know, this Christmas season, I am thinking a lot about what it was like before I knew Jesus. And I also have been thinking about my friends and people that don't yet know Jesus. And I think of the words in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, that say this. 
Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, without hope and without God in the world. That phrase, without hope and without God in the world, is the experience from peop for people around us. And it may even be your experience. But if that is, I hope you know that the hope we have this Christmas is that if you and I will trust in Christ and continue to trust in him, we have great hope. God with us means hope. So what does it mean to live with hope? I don't know about you, but that can all be just like theory out here. But what would it look like if we begin to live with this sense of hope, even during the hardest times of COVID and beyond? So here's some thoughts. First, what is a definition of hope? Hope is a confident expectation and desire for a good future. A confident expectation and desire for a good future is this whole idea that you and I have something to look forward to. It's, uh, hope is different from faith in this sense, that it's faith in the good future that God has for us. And so I read this story years ago, Eugene Lang, who greatly changed the lives of a sixth grade class in East Harlem, New York. Mr. Lang had been asked to speak to a class of 59 sixth graders. What could he say to inspire these students, most of whom would drop out of school? He wondered how he could get these predominantly black and Puerto Rican children even to look at him. Scrapping his notes, he decided to speak to them from his heart. Stay in school, he admonished and I'll help pay the college tuition for every one of you. At that moment, the lives of these students changed. For the first time, they had hope. Said one student, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden thing. Nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school. Why? Because they had something to look forward to. Victor Frankel was... Uh, a victim of the concentration camps during Nazi Germany. And he was also a psychologist, and he was asked to help a lot of people. Eventually, psychologist, and he was asked to help a lot of people. Unless we have someone to love and a task to do and a redemptive view of suffering, we will not be able to keep going. You see, hope is almost like a power pack inside of us that gives us enough strength and enough motivation to get out of bed, to keep going, even when it's hard. And hope can be powerful. Hope is like strength inside of us. So notice this, what the scripture says. is First, God's called us to know his hope and thrive in it. God's called us to know his hope and thrive in it. I love the words of Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, where Paul is praying for people. Listen to what it says. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And we can know this hope. One of the things that is hard for a lot of us in this culture is that we go by our feelings a lot. And our feelings are valuable at times, but there's other times if they become the master of our lives, then we will quickly give up because we will not always feel hope, but we can still know this hope that God gives. And that's what Paul prays for. Notice another place where he writes in Romans 15, 13 about this same idea. 
I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that God's Spirit wants to do in our lives in these tough days is fill us to overflowing with a sense of hope. Why? So that it can help keep pulling us forward and motivating us to keep walking no matter how hard it gets. Notice also that we can rejoice and rest in the hope he gives. These ideas I'm trying to give you are what the Bible says about hope. It says you can rejoice in hope, rest in this hope. In other words, you don't have to be like constantly running around with your chick, like a chicken with a head cut off. We can actually be people that are anchored. We can rejoice. Romans 12, 12 says it like this. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. What does that mean? Rejoicing in hope means that we actually find great joy in the fact that Jesus did come, and because he came, we can have hope. Another thing we learn here is that we have reasons for hope to share with others. We have reasons for hope to share with others. One of the things that I've appreciated is that when I think about it, if someone asks me, where do you get hope from? I have all kinds of reasons as I read the New Testament and that I remember what God has done for us in Jesus. And some of those reasons I've already listed for you. But I also think about the fact that the reason I have hope is because I have uh, the truth of God's word that has told me what's going to come and what's ahead for me. I have something to look forward to. But if I just think about myself, I've missed the point. The Bible says that we need to always be ready to give an answer for the reasons, for the hope that we have. And you and I need to care about other people. And if we get just so turned on ourselves and only think about what hope means for us, we are not growing in hope to the extent that God hopes for us. So as you think about that, do you realize that it's people that have the most hope that do the most good in the world? C.S. Lewis has put it like this. Hope means a continual looking forward to the eternal world. It does. You will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. And we want to be the kind of church that as we experience this great hope that we're found, we find in Jesus, that we think of other people and say, hey, I just want to share the hope that I know in Jesus if you'd ever be interested. And I believe that if we pray for opportunities, God will give us those, but we can share these reasons as well as we remember and reflect on them ourselves. Uh, notice this, though, that it's possible for hope to still be a theory or just an idea. It's possible that when we're discouraged or overwhelmed with a feeling of hopelessness, that it will not be powerful in our lives. So here's what I'm learning as we get close to wrapping up. But we must call to mind where our hope comes from. But we must call to mind where our hope comes from. The Bible says is that hope is not just something that we um, just lands on us. It's something that we must take hold of. We must call to mind. We must give ourselves to remembering it. I think I've shared this over the years with you before, but when I was in college, I remember that I went through a period of time where I fell into deep depression, where I had no feeling of God, and where so many things in my circumstances had changed to make me very discouraged. 
And I knew that it was a moment of truth for me. And so I realized that even though I didn't feel hope, I could still know hope, but I was going to have to give myself to focusing on the reasons for the hope that we have. And so as I began to reflect on that, I began to focus on certain scripture passages. One of those was Psalm 42, where David actually talks to himself. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. And I pictured a boxer on his back that was getting the 10 count over him. And I pictured myself being able to get back up off the mat because I was hoping in God. And again, there were days I felt no feeling for that, but I remember just continuing to focus on those words. But one of the passages that helped me a lot was Lamentations 3, 19 through 25. And where those words, where the, the prophet Jeremiah is saying, my soul is filled with bitterness and gall. All my splendor is gone. In other words, my circumstances are bad. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. And as I began to just repeat those, often mechanically at first, over time, I began to realize that I had reasons for hope, but I needed to call them to mind. Someone has said this, that one of the ways that hope can work most powerfully in us is that we have to preach it to ourselves, we have to whisper it to ourselves, we have to sing it to ourselves. And I found that to be true. And so lastly, is as we wait because hope is something that's in the future. As we wait, hope strengthens us to live today for that day. There was a man in our church in Wheaton when Trish and I were first married named Joe Bailey. He and his wife, Mary Lou, had lost three children all before the age of 18. And he was a tremendous believer. And one of the things he did was he wrote a book of poetry. And he wrote one called A Psalm of Anticipation that says this, Lord Christ, your servant, Martin Luther, said he only had two days on his calendar, and I want to live today for that day. And so as you and I realize that we have so much to look forward to because Jesus came as God with us and God for us, as we think about that, we too can live today for that day. As we think about this, I was thinking about Paul and Silas in prison they had just been beaten with rods violently, and they were put in stocks there in prison. And it says in Acts 16 that around midnight, they began to pray and sing. And as they were singing, the prisoners were listening. And I bet the prisoners were listening, thinking this, how in the world can you sing right now? And I think Paul and Silas were able to tell them, it's because Jesus came and we have hope. He now can live in us by his spirit and he has promised us a good future that we have a confident expectation about. It's not wishful thinking. It's not hoping in something that'll never happen. It is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. And so as you think about that, I was thinking about one more story and that's a story about a lady named Fanny J. Crosby. Fanny J. Crosby 
uh, was blinded when she was 18 months old. And so in her entire adult life, she had no experience of being able to see. And so she began to write songs about her faith in Jesus as she grew older and came to trust in him. And one of those is entitled Blessed Assurance. And it reminds us that she thought about the reasons that we have for hope, what God had done and what God was going to do. And she wrote those words. <clears throat> Someone once said to her, Fanny, it's too bad that you can't see. And she said, oh, it's not easy, but just know this, the first face I'll ever see is his face. So as we close today, as you think about it, how do you need to preach yourself, sing to yourself, and also uh, whisper the reasons that we have hope? Let's sing the words of blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day of COVID. Let's continue to do life together and remember the hope we have in Jesus because he came and he is God with us and God in us. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.